Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 179. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing the animated series first season episodes, More Tribbles, More Troubles, The Survivor, The Infinite Vulcan, and The Magics of Megas 2. Here we go. More Tribbles, More Troubles, Season 1, Episode 5, Production Code 22001, Original Air Date, October 6th, 1973, Directed by Hal Sutherland, Written by David Gerald, Guest Cast Includes Stanley Adams as Cyrano Jones. The Enterprise escorts two robot cargo ships carrying a new seed grain to a famine-stricken Sherman's planet. It encounters a Klingon battlecruiser pursuing a Federation scout ship. When the Enterprise rescues the pilot, the Klingons attack with a new energy wep- weapon capable of incapacitating a starship and demand that the pilot be handed over to them. Sherman's planet needs that grain desperately. Aye, sir. But we've got tribbles on the ship, Quintotriticali in the corridors, Klingons in the quadrant. It can ruin your whole day, sir. More Troubles, More Tribbles. Steve, why don't you kick us off on this one? Yeah, so, I mean, this is fairly memorable, even though I haven't seen this these episodes that many times, as we kind of discussed before, simply because it's obviously just kind of a variation on a theme here. <laughs> it's written by written by the same guy who wrote Trouble of Tribbles. you got a similar character. You've got Tribbles. You've got Sherman's Planet. You've got Grain. You, got, you know, so it's... I don't know. It, it's silly. I mean, if you know, if you want a little silly Tribble stuff thrown in here and make you think of how fun the original Tribbles episode was, and perhaps how much you'd rather be watching that episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, otherwise, and then like the big Tribbles that just contain a whole lot of little Tribbles. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, you know, whatever. But um, you know, there you go. It's. Uh, I guess it's. It it feels a little more like Saturday morning cartoon fair i suppose so maybe this is in their wheelhouse here you know the uh there's a part kind of near the end when the glomer is running away from the really big triple and like the way his little legs are spinning in a circle <laughs> you know it's like i don't know. it's it's not a complaint it's not a positive thing it's just a fact that you know really feels like saturday morning cartoon kind of mm-hmm. thing yeah. You know, it's funny, we're, we're saying this, and this was this is a Saturday morning cartoon. There's no longer any such thing as Saturday morning cartoons. I know, no one even has a reference point. The young people will listen to yeah, this. Like, what? people <laughs> listen to this might not. Well, I don't know. What's it been, a decade since they had Saturday morning cartoons? So I think most of our listeners maybe would know what we're talking about, I think. I think they still air things targeted toward children on some channels on Saturday morning, but rarely are the animation, and I don't, you know, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that, that one little moment with the glomer always feels like a kid's show. Adam, your first thoughts on more Tribbles and more Troubles? Now, again, this is the first time you're seeing this period, right? Um, I've actually seen this episode. When we watched... Oh, have, uh, oh it was on some of the collections before, wasn't it? Yeah, when we when I actually watched um, Trouble with Tribbles, the, uh, the original series one, I watched, um, I followed that up with the DS9, and then I watched this one. So what, what are your first thoughts here? Um, it's fun. I mean, yeah, it feels it feels a little more cartoony. Than um, the previous episodes that I think we've watched, it kind of has. It does have left definitely a Saturday morning, more of a Saturday morning cartoon feel for it. Um, but there, there's some funny mo- moments. I, <laughs> I think I did that laugh out loud a little bit when the huge triple was in the captain's chair and Kirk just goes, "I'll stand." You know. 
the funny joke about that is because it keeps cutting back and it's getting bigger. And right, pushes, right. Yeah, it's 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 silly for sure. But it does have like there is a beat there before he says "I'll stand" or something. You know, right, it yeah. doesn't just cut. There's 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 a build up for the joke. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it it continues. Yeah, that actually does. Yeah, it does kind of work. It's like they're big beanbag chairs, you know, on the bridge. <laughs> he looks like a comfy triple to sit on, though. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a beanbag. Of course, famously the. Like so many things in the show, the colors are funny here. The triples are all pink because the color guy at Filmation was colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a joke, folks, but it's not. That's been true since the first step, the entire series run. There are certain things that are funny colors because the color guy was colorblind. <laughs> uh, so, you know, but I I didn't know that when I was, you know, the first times I saw it. It, it, it feels like, a, I don't know, some kind of an animated just to make it more colorful and fun. Even though that's not true at all. The battle scenes are good in it. I kind of, yeah, I enjoy the the battle scenes. It's interesting. You know, I think the battle scenes, they feel uh, very like extensions of the battles in the original series. They don't seem like crazy things you could do with animation. They seem like taking what was in the original series, you know, maybe one step farther. But I could see like those same battle scenes almost done shot for shot in the original series. It would be fun if they did like a new special, like the original series. They redid all the space effects and just did those for the animated series. With the animated, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fun getting uh, Stanley Adams back to do Cyrano Jones's voice. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly they thought that was it, it was rare for them to spend the money to do use anybody other than the regulars. Mm-hmm. Um, so they thought that was pretty important, which is particularly telling in an episode that it has Koloth. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously they used Jimmy Doohan to do Koloth. <laughs> um, but I but I like it. it. It makes it feel more like that real sequel. You know, this episode is is to me is kind of what the animated series in its very brief run would would be all about. We would get some nutty, crazy episodes. We're going to discuss a couple of those today. Hmm. Uh, we would get a lot of episodes that felt like short versions of original series episodes. And then we would get several... We got several of these, like, direct sequels. Um, and I'm glad that they didn't... If that if these had been half the show, I, I would not have liked it. It's, I mean, it does feel a bit like a rehash. But since it's a small enough number, I interpret that as fun stuff for the fans. Hmm. If it was half of it, <laughs> I would complain. But I, I like I like the amount of shows that we got that were direct sequels. I think this episode is fine. I think it's fun enough to watch. That's that's kind of me. I like the char- the concept of the triple predator. <laughs> <laughs> Did we ever see like a? I guess we haven't. I'd like to see a live action version of that glomer. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a dumb name, I guess. But is this episode about anything? Um, I had a hard time coming up with anything that really was concrete. I mean, it's just kind of a fun episode. Like I said, it's kind of a sequel to the first one. I don't know, Steve. Yeah, I. I yeah, I would have trouble coming up with a. Yeah, I'm afraid not. Yeah, more troubles coming up with it. <laughs> Indeed. I like those robot ships carrying the grain. Right, nacelles stuck on cargo things is unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do six degrees for more tribbles, more troubles. 
Steve, you want to go first here? Sure. Stanley Adams reprises his role as Cyrano Jones. Name the two other characters that are not series regulars that are reprised by the original actors for the animated series. Did I ask that? In general, not not this episode, but just... Yes, and the the character names are fine. I see. Um... So not series regulars, but other guest stars who reprised their roles, and they brought back the original actor to do the voice. I see, I see. Oh, gosh. We just saw one last time, Mm -hmm. our last podcast. Yeah. Mm. Oh, what? You know that one, but you don't want to say it in case you don't know the other, because you'll help Adam. (laughs) That's correct, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Strategizing against you, Adam. (laughs) That was the logical uh, thing to do. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can think of that one. I can't think of the other one right now. So, Adam, is it um, Chapel and Serac? Uh, Serac. Serac, sorry. Serac yeah. and Chapel. There's Chapel. No, I'm not. That's not. Uh, Chapel is in multiple episodes. Okay. Let me see if we read my question that way. I said not series regulars, and she's in most of the episodes, so I'm not going to give that one to you. Sorry. Okay. Uh, not for any points, but if anybody's watched the latest episode of Discovery... Oh, yes! I'd forgotten he's in that one Mud? still, too. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Harry Mudd. Sarek and Harry Mudd. Those were the two I was going for. Alright. Moving on. The Survivor, Season 1, Episode 6, Production Code 22005, Original Air Date, October 13th, 1973, Directed by Hal Sutherland, Written by James Schmerer, Guest Cast Include Ted Knight as Vendorian. While patrolling near the Romulan neutral zone, the Enterprise finds a small private ship manned by a Valorian alien species that can transform its shape at will. The alien dupes the crew on board the Enterprise into thinking that it's actually Carter Winston, a Federation citizen and philanthropist who has um, been missing for five years. When I left on that last trip, I fully intended to come back and marry you, but my ship was disabled and I crashed on Vendor. I'm told I was lucky I survived. But you did survive. You're alive and we're together again. And I'm changed. This is an odd episode. I think you could probably argue that it's not good, but somehow I kind of like it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, it it does it does feel like uh, it does feel kind of like an episode of the original series, but an animated take on something like that. On the other hand, perfect example of how this show was never going to be successful. Just imagine a show airing on Saturday mornings, <laughs> little, kid, little kid sitting there with his bowl of cereal, <laughs> and then you got this. This alien doctor guy explaining to his fiance why why they can't get married now. <laughs> yeah. Show me a kid that, in, that enjoys that. <laughs> Adam, what do you think about the survivor? Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd, have, I'd have to agree um, with you, Brian. It did. It did kind of feel like a condensed um, episode that we would see in the original series. Um, 
And we'd see that scene where he explained that, you know, he can't marry her in the original series, so that's where it probably doesn't fit into a kid's show. You know, the what you get to see kind of the animation work. You couldn't have that kind of alien, you know, in the original series, so that was kind of interesting to see. Um, like I said, I kind of enjoyed some of the battle scenes with the Romulans. Or, I mean, the Klingons, or was it the Romulans at the end? Romulans. <laughs> no, I know. I'm making fun. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they couldn't They couldn't switch ships here. They couldn't draw some um, Romulan ships. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, kind of probably felt the same way about you. But I actually, I, I, I was entertained the whole way through. Kind of on the flip side regarding the animation, there's a couple funny shots that just, I don't know what cracks me up about them. There's one where this tentacle that, like, knocks people out when it touches their neck, you know, and everyone just says he's, like, there's one where Kirk's face just looks absurd when he gets, you know, the tentacle knocks out his neck or whatever. And then, um, what's the other thing? Oh, for some reason I cracked up when the imposter McCoy is just laying on the bed. He's just, uh, just laying there. And I don't know, it looks funny. It's like they just take the standing McCoy and lay him down on the bed and it looks just really <laughs> dumb. <laughs> you like this one though, Steve? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's more just goofy silly, I think. You know, really. I, I do see how it, it does, in a lot of ways, seem like a kind of a silly original series live action episode in a sense some of the uh, imposter ideas you know like i you know pretending to be somebody else that's a theme we see that a lot you know um and, and like a long lost love kind of thing amongst guest stars and that routine i mean yeah there's a lot of commonality so i, I agree that it does in some a lot of ways it feels like one of those kinds of episodes just animated you know so and i joke about some of these silly you know i know it's not like they got some kind of huge budget to get all this done and they did well overall but uh yeah there's some silliness and um i don't know i mean i, I don't particularly feel strongly i guess about it either i'm not saying it's awful and i'm not saying i'm just thrilled with it either way i think this is the kind of thing where you know i don't think i've watched this in a decade mm-hmm and if I've watched it much more often than once a decade, I'd, you know, <laughs> maybe I'd give it a harder time. Um, yeah, I like this idea that the that the creature that these creatures, the Vandorians, that assume other shapes—that's what they do. That the longer they take on these <clears throat> other characters whatever the more they take on their memories and their emotions so this concept that he actually really does love her mm-hmm. it's interesting i had down on my note did Mc... i had to go back mccoy has a daughter i guess we learned that in this episode yeah actually that's um that's something that was i think it was in the show's bible and then it was never ever mentioned anywhere and then dc fontana was always trying to get it you know, mentioned somewhere. And then there was that Way to Eden, the, the hippie episode. Mm-hmm. The girl there that was Chekhov's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Or, in the, or used to be his girlfriend. That was originally supposed to be McCoy's daughter, I believe, named Joanna. And the episode was supposed to be called Joanna. And that's how... Might have made it a more interesting episode. Yeah, that's how DC Fontana did the story for it and then when somebody rewrote it and changed that she took her name off it because she was ticked off about it so anyway i think that she finally got to reference that mccoy had a daughter with a line in this episode (laughs) 
yeah, I would have liked to have seen that explored at some point. No, that's just interesting. Yeah, that that might have made that because that episode was average, if I remember right. So it might have made it a lot more interesting, more of a McCoy episode. The way yep. to Eden, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of wacky that Winston apparently became a deflector shield and saved the <laughs> Enterprise. Mm, yeah. The man of many talents. I would have liked to have seen that. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. all we we just hear about it, and then he walks up and says, "Yeah, I did that." <laughs> yeah, he could be making us up, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was me. I was a de- I was a deflector shield a minute ago. That's claiming everything. Who pick, <laughs> who fixed the toilets? Yeah, you know. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another. Th- that's kind of a silly thing. Whenever Kirk sees, oh, there's an extra bed in sick bay. Yeah. How is Kirk the only person? That- <laughs> I know he's just that bright. Like the little... doctor would re- see that first. Decor alteration. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love Spock's line. I am just now realizing that. Right. <laughs> yeah, he, McCoy in sick bay and Spock didn't. Yeah. Th- Kirk should be the last. Not that Kirk isn't. Yeah, he should be the last one to notice that. He probably has a thing for beds. <laughs> McCoy likes to stand up horizontally. Mm-hmm. Bed. Yeah, yeah. We've established that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, what an odd thing. It's one of these two that uh, another thing that kind of reminds me of certain original series episodes where you have the you know a, a Starfleet person, this this woman who basically just gives up everything to go with an old flame or whatever, and it's an odd deal anyway because it's not even the old flame; it's a right. weird alien that's turned into the old flame, and then it's like, oh, you know, he's like close enough, I guess, and so I'm gonna go guard him, quote unquote, for the rest of his life, I and mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird. Surely, surely he's not. And she would know what she should she expect him to stay in like Winston form forever, right? I know he says, "Here's what I am." Quickly change back and then back again. You know, it's like okay. Maybe he, if he stays long enough, then he would forget that he's the other thing. Hmm. I, that's kind of the explanation that I got. The longer he stays in a form, the more he becomes an know. You guys got anything for what this episode is about? Well, I was going to, you know, when I was watching it and thinking about it, you know, that we were talking about that relationship, you know, it could have been about, you know, letting go and of grieving and loss, but, you know, she ended up choosing him. So I don't, that's kind of weird. Um, I don't know where they were going with that. I guess happy ending. Saturday morning cartoons. Steve? Yeah, I mean, I guess there is a, I mean, there is some character development on part of this guest guy, you know, this Mendorian. Again, it's a biological thing, you know, because they take on the uh, traits of their, you know, who they're imitating. But obviously goes through a little arc here in this episode. So there's a bit of a, um, you know, unexpected unexpectedly finding love and learning about self-sacrifice a little bit, I guess. I mean, but it, you know, it's all on really on the part of the, it's all focused on the uh, guest characters in that sense, but at least there's something. Um, well, that's what they put on the box for this one. There's something. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do six degrees for the survivor. Adam. Yes. This is the first appearance of Emress. Oh, you're not going to like this question. <laughs> uh, this is the first appearance of Emress, who has occasional relief in uh, as a communications officer. What species is Emress? Werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> nope, Steve. No, I know I've heard this, and I'm trying to remember. Um, it's just been a while. Wookie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh gosh. It's not going to come to me. Cation. And it looks kind of like the word cat. C A I T I A N. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, zero to zero. Moving on. The Infinite Vulcan, Season 1, Episode 7, Production Code 22002, Original Air Date October 20th, 1973, Directed by Hal Sutherland, Written by Walter Koenig. Exploring the newly discovered planet Phylos for possible Federation colonization, Lieutenant Sulu picks up a walking plant and is poisoned by a stinger. The alien species that inhabit the planet, who are plant-like beings, approach the Enterprise landing party and their leader, Agmar, saves Sulu's life. The party discovers that most of the Felicians are nearly wiped out by the disease that acted as a plague brought to the planet by Dr. Stablos Canilius, a Terrian scientist who survived Earth's eugenic wars. Kirk to Enterprise. It's no use, Jim. He'll be dead in a few minutes. His mind is gone. He no longer thinks. This machine has drained his mind somehow. More than just drained, it's been transferred. Relocated into the mechanism itself. I can duplicate exact physiological structure. I cannot duplicate that which is learned. Steve, you want to kick us off on this batty batty episode? Hmm. Yeah, a lot of wacky business going on here. Um, you got the little plants walking around and... Um, Oh, there's Eugenics Wars reference. That's fun. Uh, you get some weed spray, old uh, McCoy recipe there. That's entertaining. Um, and then it's kind of startling to realize at the end that for who knows how long, there was a giant Spock roaming the galaxy still. <laughs> so, hmm. I never quite got why when they cloned, they became ginormous. I, I don't know if I missed that in the episode. Wasn't there something that implied, maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but something that implied that like, every time he cloned himself, he made himself bigger? But that wouldn't explain how Spock is immediately as big as him. Right. right, right. But on the scale of baddie stuff in this episode, that's par for the course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Spock 2's size. Is that what they actually call him? Yeah, it was, it was all grandiose to introduction like that. You know, it was like... It was almost like, ladies and gentlemen, Spock two. <laughs> I mean, it was almost that. I don't. It was not maybe not quite worded that way, but something like that. They should have said, "This is Spock two, the sequel." <laughs> <laughs> Spock two. <laughs> Jeez. Adam, what do you think about the Vulcan that never ends? The Vulcan that never ends with the with his giant partner um yeah i kind of felt the same way you guys it's kind of goofy and it felt like i was saying before we started talking about this one felt very much like a saturday morning cartoon um the only thing that kind of was interesting i thought the the sentient plant life beings that was an interesting take um you know i've never seen i don't know have we ever seen that in any any star trek episode before where there's sentient actual sentient plants no, I don't recall specifically. I know there there have been moving plants. I remember even in that uh, where no man has gone before episode of the original series, there was a you know a glove that was looked like a plant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or was it a plant that looked like a glove? Right. It was a glove plant. Glove plant. <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was an interesting. Um, yeah, glove. that's what I give this episode is 
if you're going to do an animated show, then do crazy stuff that you can only do in animation. And by today's animation standards, they can do a lot crazier things. Um, in the early to mid-70s, with a low budget, all they were really doing is... There wasn't really... There isn't a lot of motion here, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's more about very simple designs and things. But you can do stuff like Plant Dudes mm -hmm. and Spock 2. Right. And plant-based flying purple dragons, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you can do that, so do it. I think that's kind of... I I, I enjoy that aspect of it. Why not take advantage right. of the medium? But this one looks almost like that's the only point. Is just to yeah. here's a bunch of things we can draw. Let's make an episode out of it. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Walter Koenig uh, wrote this episode, and he's not in the show. Obviously, Chekhov is not in the show. Um, I, I've heard both ways. Like I remember, for many years, I heard that they offered him this writing gig because they couldn't afford to put him in the show. I'm not positive that's the case because even he has kind of reported both ways on that over the years. Mm -hmm. Like. Like that he was offered a writing gig before he even knew that he wasn't going to be on the show. And that he passed up subsequent writing gigs for the show because he was, at that point, upset that he wasn't on the show. So I'm not sure which way that necessarily goes, but definitely Gene Roddenberry, as he did on the original series, you know, uh, he rewrote everybody's scripts on the show. And he wrote Walter's script. And also he had Walter rewrite it many, many times, ten or a dozen times. And he was the one who wanted Walter to put in the sentient plant life. Mm. I don't think that was originally in Walter's script. Uh, and that was Gene saying, let's do crazy stuff that we can only do, that we, that we couldn't do uh, on the original series. So that aspect of it, yes, I, I think is is interesting and keeps my attention once a decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... Like you said, Steve, there are times when it feels like it's almost wacky for wacky's sake or too wacky. Um, like the the actual core story, I think is kind of interesting, but it gets lost in the wackiness. I guess that's 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 when you know you've gone too far. Mm -hmm. um, but that core story of this 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 explorer sort of this 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 guy that wanted to bring peace to the galaxy by taking the eugenics thing a different direction and then he kills half the population or whatever if this decimates the population of this planet tries because to save of the them disease he brings when he's trying to save them and i mean all that stuff is is it's kind of interesting actually yeah. but it gets really lost inside mm. flying purple dragon. yeah 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 yep. and giant and giants spock twos yeah you know i think though uh, they probably should just finish every episode of Sulu winking at the camera. Yeah. Be kind of like a porky pig and that's all folks or something. <laughs> it, it's weird that he, he gets the little comical ending thing because it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't fit with anything else in the episode. Because <laughs> yeah. we're used to seeing straight episodes that have a little comic ending, yeah, yeah. right? If you have an entire episode that's, that's batty crazy, obviously the ending needs to be deadly serious and normal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He should be look. He should be looking at the camera and like, giving like a moral lesson and don't trust giants or something. I don't know what. But. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> so uh, this this episode's almost so wacky that, like, I don't feel 
that it would be responsible of me to say whether I think it's good or bad. Mm. <laughs> it's like beyond good or bad. It transcends quality. Yes, it <laughs> Again, if they put these things on, you know, in boxes, and they each one had their own box. <laughs> the infinite Vulcan transcends quality. It's a little quote from a critic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, if you just if you if you feel that an animated series beyond yesteryear are canon, then there is a giant Spock two somewhere working with Caniculus to try and save uh, the plant people. Mm-hmm. And did they save the plant people? We may never know. What's this episode about? <laughs> oddly, oddly enough, I found it easier to to talk about what this one's about. The <laughs> two episodes, as weird as that is, but I mean, you know, it's kind of about. I kind of saw like second chances and redemption or, you know, like you said, Caniculus and killed off this entire species almost and saved them and trying to live out their dream. And then they realize they don't need to. So it's, and they can save them. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and if, and who knows, maybe draft one of his script focused on something like that because you could see that okay let's take out at least half the wackiness or three quarters of it or whatever and then focus more on that thing and you could you could say something about that you know someone from the eugenics war era and came across him and here's what he did and now he wants to do this and he's needs help and he comes yeah, i don't know you know so i see that buried in there they could have you know if they'd have focused more on that you might have had something yeah yeah, yeah they weren't more saturday morning cartoon yeah episode, for sure you know, what, what six-year-old wouldn't love a giant Spock? Yeah, my son had checked out by then, and mm. he is six. <laughs> <laughs> let's do six degrees for the infinite Vulcan. I believe it's your turn, Steve. Okay. Or, no, let's say, Adam, you choose. Do you want this one or the next one? Steve can have it. Steve, what is the name of the mobile plant that attacks and poisons Sulu. Oh yeah, I read about this fun thing. It's a, a retlaw plant. And why do you remember that? Because it's Walter spelled backwards. That is correct. Huh. Steve has one on the board. More than I can say for the Astros. <laughs> 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 Moving on. The Magics of Migas 2, Season 1, Episode 8, Production Code 22009, Original Air Date October 27, 1973, Directed by Hal Sutherland, Written by Larry Brody. The Enterprise is caught inside an energy matter vortex, and all her computer systems fail. A being named Lucian, Lucian appears on the bridge, repairs the ship's systems, and takes the crew to explore his planet. My guess too. On this planet, magic and witchcraft are quite normal. The Megans are ageless species that had once lived on Earth and were responsible for the legends about witches. Welcome, my friends, to Magus 2. And just exactly what is Magus 2? A world, Captain James Kirk, that operates by rules quite different from those in your universe. <laughs> This episode certainly starts off rather batty. So the Enterprise is going to the center of the galaxy looking for where all matter is being created. Right. Uh, and then they encounter like rough waters and then they're suddenly 
Um, Spock says they're no longer in time and space as we understand it based on his readings. He says something to that, which I find it's very convenient that there's apparently a setting on his monitor that says <laughs> <laughs> no longer in space and time as we understand it. Yeah. Um, but Like you're off the highway or something. You know? Exactly. <laughs> So I'm I'm very confused at the beginning of this episode. It's very 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 trippy, uh, and definitely whoever wrote it was experienced. Uh, Adam, what are your first thoughts on the magics of Megas Two? Yeah, it's kind of goofy. Would uh, you know? Obviously, kind of very goofy. Um, you know, you're you're right. They get caught in this. They're going to look for the creation of matter in the center of the, the galaxy. Um, they don't really kind of, you know, as techie as they got earlier on in these episodes, they kind of just gloss over a lot of stuff here later on, you know, about the science-y part of it, you know, about the... Just kind of gloss over that. Matter's just going to be created, and then they're, they're stuck in, a, in a, another dimension. In a weird way, um, I know this might sound odd. I was Maybe I started getting tired when I because this was the last episode I watched last night before I went to bed. I don't know, the episode kind of reminded me of, like, the Q Continuum episode in Voyager, you know, where they go to that continuum and it's kind of strange. I don't know. Like I said, I might have been kind of getting delirious at that point at night. Um, But yeah, you have this character, Lucian, and, um, you know, he really wants to help the Enterprise crew. We don't find out till the end why. Um, Yeah, it's, it's a weird kind of episode for sure. Yeah, so it starts off weird, and it it stays in Crazy Town for me. Yeah, it's it it goes to like you know, the next block over, but still Crazy Town. <laughs> and like, tr- so here's a good thing: try to imagine the shots in Salem with everybody in the stockades. Imagine that done live action on the original series. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kurt comes out of it, and he's doing like, you know. Or Spock drawing the pentagram on the ship and then saying, yeah, look, now I can do... Do magic. De- devil magic, I guess? <laughs> I, it's batty. These these are not positive or negative statements, folks. Just factual. I'm saying batty. Now, again, I like it when these things take advantage of the medium, but at least the in- Infinite Vulcan felt like way out there sci-fi. Magics of Megas 2... I don't know. This is a weird one. And Steve, what do you what do you think here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I this is quite quite wacky, and it's um, yeah. I don't I don't really. It's just it's kind of absurd. I mean, you know, they just run with this theme sort of, and you just a thing after thing after thing, and it's it's yeah. It's not only uh, bizarre, but relatively directionless. I think. Um, they mentioned something about the General Order 1 or the Prime Directive. That's a fun little nugget in there. It's kind of like they almost have to throw in something that's... We better throw in something that sounds like Star Trek in this crazy thing. <laughs> you know, but... Um, but yeah, the, them getting their little superpowers and doing things. And hmm. uh, they kind of have the stereotypical test of compassion, you know, where, oh, you didn't, you know, why are you defending someone who's bad? You know, well humans are nice and all that, that routine, which we've a million times we've seen. So yeah, those, I mean, it's like they threw little elements in that are familiar original series things into this crazy 
barrage of nonsense. Can I say something that's going to make me sound like the most liberal <laughs> snowflake, you know, like modern nutball that I could possibly say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I, <laughs> and I know this episode is batty and not worthy of this, but I don't, <laughs> I don't like that this episode seems to like legitimize the ignorant murders that took place in Salem. I know I should not even care like that here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I wonder, I wonder if like the descendants actually complain or anything in the networks. Like you're <laughs> implying that uh, there's a grounds for. Well, I wonder how this also played. You know, you know, the character ends up being Lucifer, this happy-go-lucky guy. That I don't know how well that played with parents on Saturday morning in the early '70s. Yeah, but there are people <laughs> flipping their top too, and it's like, hey, hey, mommy, look, it's the devil and. He's, he's, he's not so bad, you know, whatever. I made a pentagram. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they should play acting in the room or whatever. I'm going to, if I draw a pentagram, <laughs> I can make things move. It's like, where'd you learn this, Star Trek? <laughs> I mean, you know, they tried, they did this in the original series with what, Who Mourns the for? The Halloween episode? Well, no, no. The, well, the gods, kind of like um, Who Mourns for Adonis, is that? Mm. That, one, that episode was good and it worked. But, you know, like, you know, beings in history that in you know influence humanity um that that also kind of remind the kind of the same not the same this episode don't i'm not trying to compare the two episodes they just kind of have similar themes is this episode about anything um well i guess there's a test of humanity to see how compassionate they are and if they've grown i guess that's what that trial is it's also i guess part of what reminded me of the cue but what is what is that saying um, has humanity yet evolved? I don't know. I'm stretching here, man. Give me some rope. <laughs> I have to hang you with. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess they're, they, they were, the notion is they were, they could have tried to, you know, do the, the compassion test thing and, you know, the forgiveness and mercy and defend, you know, but good grief. We're talking about this devil and the Salem trials and all this stuff and it's just kind of out of the blue anyway they do it at the end of the thing right. and it's kind of like what what okay I guess we're going to do that here right because that's not what the episode was yeah they, right. it was totally something different yeah. it wasn't a trial against Lucian it was yeah. a trial for the humans right. and then they flipped it right so what you said earlier, Steve, I think, you know, this feeling that it's almost, I mean, it's its nutty, but then it's almost like directionless. That's a good word. That's what I think makes this episode not work and maybe be a weak episode is because it does feel like it's just pointlessly going from one thing to the next. And even that little test at the end has nothing to do with what the rest of the episode was. If the entire episode had been some kind of test, okay, but it wasn't. It was just, well, we finished that. Let's move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So to me... This is the weakest episode that we've discussed today. I mean, Infinite Vulcan certainly has problems, but it's... More coherent. It keeps you watching. It keeps you interested, even if even if sometimes it's because of the wackiness. Well, it's interesting. When you first started this podcast, Brian, you were saying, you know, you were talking about how the series has wackiness. It has, um, you know, sequels to episodes, and then, you know, episodes that feel like the original. We have had all we had all of those in this just one podcast today. Yeah. All right. Let's do six degrees for the magics of Megas 2. Let's see. Steve, you had the last one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Okay. Adam, this episode has the crew meet the devil. They originally met a different entity in earlier versions of the story. 
but network sensors nixed it. Who did they originally meet? In the original series? No. In a prior, in an earlier version oh. of this script, instead of meeting the devil, they originally met a different entity, but network sensors nixed it. Who was the entity? Um, St. Michael? I don't know. No, Steve? Uh, God? Yes, they originally met God, and the network sensors decided it was okay for Spock to draw pentagrams on them to meet the devil, but God was uh, a bridge too far. <laughs> yes. All right, Steve takes it for the day. So, uh, Steve, you watched the latest episode of Discovery with uh, Harcourt Fenton Mud? Yes, I did. It was uh, f***ing cool. Uh, yes folks uh, we had an offline discussion uh, that that since we weren't recording um, we didn't have our usual uh, language filter that is necessary when we record our podcast since our our podcast is for people of all ages unlike the latest episode of Discovery (laughs) I couldn't I I could not believe that there's a particular piece of language in that episode I just it in in 50 years of Star Trek film and television (sighs) Maybe nobody else cares, but I I really miss that this was a family show and it's not a family show anymore. I I do miss that a lot. Well, my yeah, my commentary on that is, you know, if you do certain things and there's a and it and it adds something to the, the to the episode to the series and you know if that's the angle you want to take, that's one thing. I think what we're talking about here, I I think it'd be hard pressed for anyone to to say that that added something to this you know it enhanced the episode in some fashion or the series you know? yeah but you are you are still excited for the show i am i am yeah i, I am yeah mm-hmm. that's cool all right so that's good okay let's see you can follow us on facebook that's facebook.com slash trek companion um adam has promised he's gonna post there more <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't post there a lot but we should you can also follow our Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Trek Companion, which we do slightly more, so that's good. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com, and tell us how uh, wrongly we are about anything. Uh, or how right. That's good, too. Uh, something I haven't said in a while, but if you can go and leave us a review on iTunes, that is how people find us. If you go and you know give us a five-star rating, that's helpful. If you actually leave a sentence or two... Uh, that's even more helpful. Uh, we don't do the podcast for money. We just uh, we we love for more people to find us, and that's how people find us. When you, our listeners, leave uh, reviews on iTunes. So next time you're on iTunes, take two minutes out of your day and do that. That'd be cool. Okay, so we will be back in two weeks to discuss the next four episodes of Star Trek: The Animated Series. Uh, and until then, thanks for spending an hour with us. Take it easy. Thanks, guys. See ya. I passed it.